morning. I wonder if you have ever heard of the word olfaction. Anybody know that word? Apparently, this is the name given to your sense of smell. Now, there are a lot of things about this sense that may surprise you. Here are some facts. People can detect at least one trillion distinct scents. I think hopefully these facts will come up on the screen. People can detect at least one trillion distinct sounds. That might boggles my mind. Scent cells are renewed every 30, day, 30 to 60 days. You can smell fear and disgust. Apparently, you smell it through sweat. That's nice. And then you experience the same emotions. Smell is the oldest sense. Women have a better smell than men. That explains a lot. <laughs> Roy is indignant at that. Each human has their own distinct odor, just like fingerprints. I guess you don't realize how important your sense of smell is until perhaps you lose it. Of course, for, for those who have had COVID, for some of us, one of the symptoms was to lose our sense of smell and taste. That certainly happened to me the first time I had it. And it took any joy out of eating as well because of that link to, um, to taste. I wonder what your top 10 smells are. Homemade bread, a cake baking, or even bacon frying in the pan. It's all to do with food with me. Cut grass, we're going to get some of that smell happening at the moment. Fresh, clean bed linen, that's lovely. Coffee brewing, <clears throat> a new car smell, a new book when you open it. I love the smell of petrol. I don't know what that says about me. Sometimes I sneakily open the window when we're in the petrol station just to have a little smell of it. I like it, it's nice. <laughs> of course, uh, we associate smells with places or events or people. For example, if we sell, smell cinnamon or spiced apple, it makes us think of Christmas. Well, it does me, anyway. Most people have experienced a smell that floods the mind with association or memories. Olfaction, emotion, and memory share closely networked space in the brain's control center. Our sense of smell relates closely to how we experience life and process significant memories. The smell of Estee Lauder's youth dew or white linen or beautiful will always make me think of my mum because those are the kind of perfumes she wore, she wears, um, she's worn through her life. I'll also know if I've switched the slow cooker on and got the timer in the oven set properly this morning when I go home today, because if I open the door, there should be a smell. If I don't, we'll be going out for lunch. Rudyard Kipling wrote, smells are surer than sounds or sights to make your heartstrings crack. In our Bible reading today, it talks about an incident which involved an aroma that saturated the house and the minds of everyone in it. Its, it, its aroma not only reminded those present what it represented, but it set the scene for more memories to be made which would be linked to that aroma. In verse 3, John, 
John says that the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. It was filled. It became a symbol of love and grace. Our story has connections with the tradition um, of Old Testament sacrifices. In Leviticus, there are passages that provide some examples of sacrifices that are described as having a pleasing odour to the Lord. And it's often said that true worship is like a pleasing fragrance wafting up to the heavens. In John's Gospel, our story took place just after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the miracle that triggered the plot to kill him. You can also find this story in Mark and Matthew's Gospel, but they place it, this story, just before the Last Supper. And it's believed that John's version is the most accurate in chronology, but really the timing here doesn't matter. The main purpose of the Gospel writers was not to present an exact chronological account of Christ's life, but to give an accurate record of his message. So this event takes place in a town called Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper. Bethany was the home of Jesus' friends, Mary, Martha, and, of course, Lazarus. Jesus comes to have dinner with the disciples and some close friends, and this meal was arranged in honor for him. It was custom in those days to anoint a special guest with just a few drops of ointment or perfume on the head. It was an act of courteous kindness. Mary's perfume of nard was precious, and it was worth a full year's wages. But as we know, she didn't just drop a few, use a few drops. She poured the ent- entire contents out lavishly. <clears throat> this gracious gift brought an aroma to that room that would be a symbolic reminder to those present forever. It would be a reminder because a whole bottle of perfume being poured out, it's, it's the whole thing, isn't it? It's not just a wee 30 mils bottle. It says here, it was a pint, a pint of perfume. That's going to fill the whole room. You know that way when a, a, a smell goes up your nostril and you can smell it for hours afterwards. But also, it was a symbolic reminder because of this actual act, what Mary did. Jesus' response was to praise the costly gift of a follower who lavishly pours out the best she had for the one who has everything. It's not the gift that is remembered, but it's the one who gave it with such gratitude that is the fragrant perfume of God. Now, many people decide during Lent to give up something. The idea being that it helps us to focus our relationship more on God and helps us to prioritize this idea of sacrifice. Lent is a time to recklessly give all we have to God, just like Mary. Right at the beginning here, what might we lavishly give to God? What might it cost us? Well, I've taken four um, lessons from this event that we can apply to our everyday lives as we think about Mary and her gracious gift and how we can learn from her gracious giving as we continue with our Lent theme of grace and purpose. The first lesson I learn is give it all. Mary's act was sacrificial. Somehow, I believe that Mary knew of King David's statement in 2 Samuel 24 when he said, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. I wonder what an understanding of that truth would bring bring to our lives and to our worship. What we see demonstrated in our text is love's extravagance. We know it was extravagant because Judas tells us that it was worth a whole year's wages. 
So I imagine putting whatever so so I imagine putting whatever I own in a year into a bottle, I break it and pour it out and give it to God. That's bonkers, isn't it, when you think about it? Once Mary removed the seal of the alabaster bottle, all the perfume poured out. You couldn't seal it back up again. That was it. None of it was spared. She held nothing back from Jesus, nothing. This act of such love and devotion. The disciples and those around her mocked her for her extravagant love for Jesus. They saw her sacrifice as foolish, a total waste. But Jesus honored her for her great love to him. In the other gospel accounts, he explained that this story would be told wherever the gospel was preached in memory of her. True giving costs you. It may cost you your time. Getting up a little earlier to be with God, giving up time to study God's word, to serve in a particular ministry, it may cost some money. As God leads you to, to give what is right in the eyes of, in, in, your, in his eyes, in, in, in your tithes and offerings, and not what you think you can spare. That's what it costs Mary, a sizable amount of money. Yet the cost is always worth it for Mary, for David, for you, for me. After all, Jesus paid the greatest cost for us. Nothing is too good for him. God will sometimes ask us to give, to sacrifice in order to obey him. It's not always easy, but it's worth it. The risk is nothing in comparison to the reward. Second lesson learned, actively worship. Gracious giving is is active worship. By this I mean it's going to involve your whole being. Mary anointed Jesus' feet. The normal custom was to anoint the head of the guests of honor. In fact, the other gospels record a woman anointing Jesus' head. Maybe she anointed both the head and the feet. Anointing someone's head shows great honor. Taking the role of a servant and cleaning and then even anointing someone's feet, well, that showed great love, great devotion, great worship. Mary took action. She put her faith, she put feet to her faith. Her giving was active. Your active worship may be meeting together here on a Sunday or sharing prayer with a friend or a colleague. Equally, it may be sitting with somebody or making a dessert or sending a card or text or doing some jobs like emptying the bin or serving teas and coffees here, all for the glory of God. And you say, I thought that was ministry, not worship. There's a fine line between the two when you do your ministry with the right motive to show your love and your honor to God. Romans 12 says those very familiar words. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We don't have to make sacrifices to God as they did in David's time, like killing animals, because we are the sacrifice. When we do everything as an act of worship, that is gracious giving. A.W. Tozer writes, For the Christian, everything begins and ends with worship. Whatever interferes with one's personal worship of God needs to be properly dealt with and dismissed. Keep in mind that above all else, worship is an attitude, a state of mind, and a sustained act. It's not a physical attitude, but an inward act of the heart towards God. That was Mary engaging in active worship. Worship is giving. What are you graciously giving to engage in active worship? Thirdly, bring your uniqueness. 
Gracious giving is unique to you. This was Mary's way of showing her love to Jesus. Martha's gift was serving as it always was. She worshipped through service. Mary gave through her devotion. Each worshipped and graciously gave in their own personal way. I know I've shared this um, this week with some of you already, but I caught the tail end of the TV documentary called Christy McGuinness Unmasking My Autism um, just last week. And Christy was married to comedian Paddy McGuinness, and, and in adult life she received a diagnosis of autism, and apparently this is more difficult to spot in early age in females. And towards the end, she was meeting up for coffee with other women who were autistic. And one of the ladies in the group said something that just really resonated with me and made me keep rewinding back until I took down everything she said. And here's what she said. I'd rather be on earth fully me. Someone once said, what if you never turned up for your life? Well, we get one life. So I want to be fully here, fully me, and my uniqueness is the gift I bring. What a great line. My uniqueness is the gift I bring. Do not compare yourself to someone else. Do not try to live up to what you think other people's expectations are of you. Your gracious giving may not be someone else's gracious giving. God may speak to your heart in a whole different way than your neighbor, your partner, your friend, or the person sitting in front of you, and that's okay. You have to find your own connection with God, your own way of showing your love for him and honoring him for what he's done for you. Don't wait for someone else to say, can you do this? Will you do this? Don't compare yourself to someone else either. Do what feels right in your heart. That's what Mary did. Your uniqueness is the gift you bring. Mary's act was spontaneous. She was not concerned at all about what people thought. She certainly wasn't looking for the recognition of them. She was not worried about how much the perfume cost. She cared nothing for the customs of the day. She entered into a a supper where women were not usually welcome. She let down her hair in public. An unthinkable act in that culture. And she openly expressed her love for Jesus. And at that moment, she was completely caught up in worshipping the Lord. She was just herself, giving herself. She did just what felt completely natural to her. Her uniqueness was the gift she brought. And as she did this, she released his fragrance. And that's our fourth and final lesson. Once Mary chose to to surrender and just be and give her unique self. The perfume poured out as she surrendered her wealth, her reputation, her pride in worship and devotion to her Lord. The fragrance began to fill the air. When we posture ourselves in obedience to the Lord, when we graciously give, his kingdom can flow out of us into our surroundings and we can fill the world around us with his love, his peace, which brings healing and restoration to what is broken. We can spread the fragrance of Christ to a world in need. All we have to do is to be available, to be an available vessel for God to work through us. And in doing this, his fragrance will not just stay within us, but it will be released from our lives and impact those around us. In Matthew and Mark's version of this story, 
Jesus says to the people around him who are questioning these actions, this is his words, I tell you the truth, whatever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. That's releasing God's fragrance. A sweet odour filled the house. And it was the smell, not of perfume, but of love. So no matter where you went in the house, you could smell it. And it benefited everyone. This is the spillover effect. She did not do it for everyone. She did it for Jesus. She did it for an audience of one. And now when you do what you do for Jesus, there is this spillover effect that benefits others. Do what you do for God, who will always see it and reward it. And inevitably, the blessings will spill over to people as well. And so I encourage you to be bold and break the seal. Let his love pour out of you as you graciously give to him and release his fragrance. Be reckless in your gracious giving to God. Let it be costly. Give it all. Let it be active. Be a living sacrifice. Let it be unique. Your uniqueness is the gift you bring. Don't compare yourself to others. Let it release his fragrance so that others can know and find peace and freedom in his extravagant love and amazing grace. And know that it's all worth it to honor the one who died for you. You know, there's a lovely wee chorus that just made me think of this woman as she bowed before Jesus and anointed his feet with his with the perfume. We've not sung it for a long time, but it says, At thy feet I bow adoring, bending lower, lower still, giving up my all to follow just to do my master's will. This is about Mary bringing her absolute love and devotion to her Lord who had done so much for her. This is about her uniqueness being the gift that she brought to God. I wonder if we could all follow Mary's example and allow her story to impact us. What would that look like for you? What would that look like for me? Or perhaps even now, as we sing the song, this chorus in a few moments, we can graciously give that kind of devotion Bring our uniqueness as the gift we bring to God so that his fragrance may be released from us. You know, I'm going to let Leslie just play this music a few times in the background just for us to allow some time and space to work out what the Lord is saying to us just now. Has there been something that's just really spoken to you this morning about your giving, about your devotion to God, how, how you feel, what, what do you want to do, what, what do you want to give? And then, perhaps in a few moments, you'll feel that you can honestly sing these words before God as your act of worship and devotion. Perhaps you need to come and kneel here at the mercy seat or wherever you're sitting as your devotion and like Mary, not worry about what others are thinking just now, but be in the moment with the Lord. This is your act of devotion. This is your act of gracious giving. Let your uniqueness be the gift you bring just now.
will you join me singing these words and really bring yourselves as an honest and real devotion to the Lord. Here we go. Father, your own act in giving up your son for our salvation was very costly. Help us to honour you in return with everything we have, with every action and thought. We are yours. We honour you in these moments and in these days to come. May your fragrance flood our lives and be released through us to the world around by our devotion to you. In Jesus' name we sincerely pray. Amen. Amen.